0: At Steve May Financial Services, we know how daunting the idea of seeing a financial planner can be. Bearing your financial soul to a person you don't even know doesn't sound like fun, does it? That's why we believe in being approachable and being ourselves. Our mission is to provide uncomplicated, affordable and personalised financial advice to those who normally wouldn't get it. Contact us for a friendly, no-pressure consultation to get your financial stuff sorted. Steve May Financial Services www.stevemayfs.com.au. Hello, welcome to the Money Men podcast of Thursday the 8th of October 2020. Steve May here. I'm without my partner in crime, Luke, this week. Uh, He is... Currently holidaying on the north coast of New South Wales. Having a great break, I'm sure. Have a beer and a, perhaps a game of golf for us, Luke, while you're up there. So what's been happening the last two weeks? Uh, the looming US election. Uh, Donald Trump has COVID. Uh, the markets have been pretty bumpy uh, as a result of uh, those things. Um, depends really depends on what the latest uh, hourly news is regarding you know, uh, the US economy, the election, um, Donald Trump, etc., Uh, The Aussie market has reacted pretty favourably to the recent budget announcement, Um, and uh, the US market sort of went down pretty sharply when they learned that Donald had COVID, gone down with COVID, and and recovered pretty well um, since they've learned that he'll probably live. So that's the the last couple of weeks in summary around the markets. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, the federal budget in brief, or as brief as I can be. It uh, can be a pretty dry subject, uh, the budget, but uh, a lot of people have asked me to give, me, give a bit of a summary, so I'll do that. Remember, um, it's just a proposed budget at the moment. Until uh, it goes through Parliament as, le- as legislated, then uh, none of this uh, is actually uh, in force. Um, so watch this space. We'll let the, the politicians do all their argy-bargy and, uh, and mucking around with it and see what comes out the other end. Number one that I wanted to uh, touch on regarding federal budget announcements was the personal income tax um, measures. So basically, the government is bringing forward the proposed stage two uh, tax cuts by two years um, to commence from the 1st of July 2020. So, yeah, that was a few months ago. So, um, we're not exactly sure, I'm not exactly sure how that will play out. Probably, possibly, there'll be a reduction uh, in the tax rates for the remainder of the financial year, and then um, the the bit that we've already, you know, served, uh, we might have to get back in our tax returns. Um, but basically, seven million individuals are expected to receive uh, tax release of relief of uh, two thousand dollars or more under the new um, tax thresholds, um, and low and middle income taxpayers will receive. Um, uh, up to $2,745 for singles and uh, $5,549 for individuals over the course of, um, of a financial year. So it's, it's actually reasonably reasonably substantial. Um, and how, how does it actually work? Well, well basically, the tax-free threshold, uh, which has been $18,200, so you can earn up to $18,200 before you pay any tax, um, that hasn't changed. Um, But now, if you're earning between $18,200 and $45,000, the tax rate for that bracket is $0.19 in the dollar. Whereas, um, it was $0.19 in the dollar only up to $37,000 previously. Um, Then the next tax bracket, um, which is $45,000 through to $120,000, has a 30% tax rate. So that bracket between 45000 and 120000 has only a 30% tax rate now. Whereas previously, up to $90,000 attracted 32.5 cents in the dollar. And then from 90000 to 120000 attracted 37 cents in the dollar. Um, so that's, uh, that's, a f- that's the actual um, income bracket that is seeming to be, be attracting the, the most benefit from the tax cuts. Uh, if you're earning $120,000 to $180,000, then the tax rate is $0.37 cents in the dollar. That's unchanged, basically. And then if you're over earning over $180,000, um, then uh, the portion above $180,000 gets taxed at $0.45 cents in the dollar. And that also is unchanged. So um, some reasonable tax breaks there have been brought forward. Um, obviously the government wants people to, um, to spend money uh, so that stimulus is there to uh, have a bit more in the pay packet and spend it and uh, get the economy moving. Um, remember, at the moment it's only proposed that those measures be brought forward. Um, we will wait and see what actually comes out. I wouldn't expect that there'd be too many problems given the opposition uh, seems to be... Um, generally in favour of it. Okay, let's move along to social security. Um, the JobKeeper payment um, has been sort of extended to the twenty-eighth of March, twenty-one. Uh, but it, yeah, there'll be some changes. And it'll be targeted at businesses that continue to be most significantly affected by the economic downturn. I won't go into the nitty-gritty of that, but um, it's been extended but uh, tightened up somewhat. Uh, The Treasurer also announced that uh, they're proposing that two $250 economic support payments uh, be paid one in November and then another in early 2021. So basically what that means is that um, anyone on age pension, disability support pension, carer payment, family tax benefit, carer allowance, pensioner concession card holders, Commonwealth seniors, health card holders, eligible Veterans Affairs payment recipients um, and concession card holders will receive a $500 total cash payment over the course of November and then in early 2021, similar to the payments of $500 and then uh, $750, whatever they were um, at the the time of the, the worst COVID hit. Um, so that's, uh, again, designed to uh, go into the households of people receiving those benefits and, um, and hoping that they will spend uh, that money uh, to get the economy moving. The coronavirus supplement of $550, which is paid to various uh, Social Security benefit recipients, such as JobSeeker and, and Youth Allowance, um, has reduced to $250 per Per fortnight, so what's 550 a fortnight? That's supplement on top of the job seeker or on top of the youth allowance. Um, so that's reduced now to 250 a fortnight, and that will continue through to the 31st of December. Um, with job seeker youth allowance etc., various income and assets tests and tapers will tighten up. Um, the mutual ob- obligations to seek employment will be changed somewhat to give job seekers greater flexibility to count education and training toward activity requirements so that's a social security bit aged care the government is proposing to introduce nearly $3 billion of measures to address the recommendations of the Aged Care Royal Commission and um, COVID-19 related issues uh, in regard to the, the aged care sector Um, Some of the things proposed are additional home care packages, uh, assistance to the frail or self-isolated, guarantee of supply of food for the frail or self-isolated due to COVID, and uh, plenty of other measures too. I won't dwell on it or delve right into that, but there has been uh, a fair commitment to the aged care uh, sector and area proposed under this budget. Okay, there's a as you would expect um, from a coalition government. There's you know a lot of uh, business support uh, being announced. I won't go into all of the measures, but um, probably the main one is uh, the job maker hiring credit. So that is where it's proposed that if an employer were to employ a person, an eligible person. Who's aged between sixteen and thirty, then the employer would be eligible for a two hundred dollar weekly payment to, I guess, subsidise the cost of employing that person. So the proposed employee must have received Job Seeker payment or Youth Allowance, other um, or Parenting Payment for at least one of the previous three months at the time of hiring. So it's designed to, you know, to get people who have been affected, you know, maybe affected by COVID, or or who have been unable to obtain work to this point, uh, into the workforce. And again, the theme is get the economy moving, get money being spent, and uh, and employment uh, down. Um, Twelve months is how long the payment or the the subsidy will be paid um, from the time of first employment, and the employing business must basically increase its numbers and its cost of, um, of employment, uh, so salaries, wages, um, to be eligible. So you know, that, that would stop um, you know, businesses from perhaps sacking one person and employing another to get the $200 a week um, or perhaps um, laying someone off and then putting them back on again um, to, to get the benefit of the $200 per week. Um, believe it or not, there are some employers out there who uh, might try that sort of stuff, um, and this is yeah, obviously that is designed to stop that from happening. And I did forget to mention that um, it's not just for uh, potential employees between the ages of 16 and 30, um, it is also potentially for people between the ages of 30 and 35. But if the employee is between 30 and 35, then the um, the hiring credit or the subsidy for want of a better word reduces to $100 per week instead of the $200 per week that would be payable for an eligible employee between 16 and 30 There you go, clear as mud, isn't it? Um, but hopefully that just gives you a bit of an idea of how um, employers may be able to um, hire people that they might not have otherwise um, felt compelled to or felt confident enough to. Um, given the current economic circumstances. Okay, uh, wouldn't be a Money Men episode without talking a a little about superannuation. And um, so basically, yeah, there's some announcements regarding superannuation. Not very many changes really um, that would really uh, be applicable to an individual. Um, you know, in regard to their money or the management of their money or how much they can put into super or how much they can take out and when. Um, but in, in reality, it's designed to make sure that superannuation is more transparent and accessible and, um, and employees can make um, better choices regarding the fund that they're, they're using. Um, you know, one of the key things that's announced is that the super fund that an employee has will follow them if they change employers. And that's designed to try to stop the, uh, the circumstances where an employee might, over the course of their life, end up with six or seven superannuation funds because every employer they go to um, has a different fund and they they don't um, choose to ask their employer to pay into the fund that they do have. So this stapled style of uh, superannuation fund means that um, you know, through the ATO reporting, etc., um an employee will carry one superannuation fund right through their employment um, career yeah, through their career and various employers, unless of course, they choose um, you know to use different funds. so they, an employee can still choose to use the fund that an employer offers by default, or could choose to use a fund that they, uh, they manage along with their financial planner uh, or whatever. But in the absence of that choosing, Um, or that choice um, the the super fund that they already have will follow them from employer to employer the government's also proposing to make it easier for people to choose a better fund Um, it'll be a Your Super comparison tool that will be provided to all superannuation members it'll be provided and maintained by the Australian Tax Office um, and is designed to help people compare funds and work out whether there might be a better one available. Not real sure about that one Um, I'd really like to see exactly what that super comparison tool actually compares Um, and whether it's comparing apples with apples or whether it's tilted towards various funds or styles of funds, whether returns come into play or is it just fees Um, as usual I, I think when you're Looking to choose a super fund, you're best to get advice on it because it's a bit of a minefield. Um, you know, a super comparison tool sounds great, but what's exact, what is it actually comparing? And do you really understand uh, what's going on in regard to fees and charges and returns, um, even with a tool? Uh, what else? Uh, super funds will be required to meet an annual objective performance test whatever that is, we'll find out I suppose Um, but basically they'll have to um, meet that annual objective performance test and if they don't meet that test then they will have to inform their members so if they fail the test, uh, the Superfund will have to inform its members And if they continue to fail the test, they won't be able to take on new members. So that's a really, really interesting one. Again, I'm not so sure about this one. Um, What is an objective performance test? Let's wait and see. Um, You know, is it performance over a year? Is it performance over three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, one month, one week? Who knows? And um, and are they all being compared um, to similar? products or different, the asset weightings and allocations are the same or different. We'll have to wait and see. Um, But gee, it's it's quite interesting that an annual objective performance test is going to be put in place. Watch this space. And another really interesting one around superannuation is it will become an obligation of the trustees of the super fund to act in the best financial interests of members so it's a little bit different to what it is now Um, and the word financial has been sort of uh, plonked in there Plonk is probably not the right word but um, but trustees will be obligated to only act in the best financial interests of members so by putting the word financial in there it, it, it sort of means that you can't play around with what what Best interest is um, it's got to be best financial interest. Um, it'll be interesting to see how those funds out there that are pushing, you know, rightly or wrongly, the the leaning towards only ethical, green, environmentally responsible, socially responsible investments um, fare, given that. It has to be the best financial interest of members that, are, that is in play here. So I'm guessing returns and could returns be affected if the fund is limiting itself to certain sectors or types of, um, of investments that uh, are tilted a certain way. Again, we'll have to wait and see what that, that really means um, once it comes into play, if it even gets through. Okay, um, close to finishing up here, I think I've done a pretty good job at uh, moving through this reasonably quickly. Um, there are I thought this one was interesting. There's some consumer credit reforms that have uh, been proposed. and they're designed to remove the, the barriers to people and businesses obtaining loans and credit. Therefore they're making it easier for them to, to get loans and credit. Um, therefore, stimulating the economy, so the business can more easily get funding and loans, and it's um, you know going to be able to, to grow and um, employ more people and spend more money in the economy. Uh, likewise, if people are able to get individuals are able to get money uh, a little more easily, then you know, they'll, they'll buy more cars and they'll buy more houses and um, and push the economy along. And I think it's um, it's reasonably well known that um, where Credit is is freer. The economy tends to um, perform somewhat better. I guess one of the key principles that um, that underpins this is that, whereas you know probably over the last dozen or so years, it's been really a, a lender beware policy around credit, where where you know the lender has really got to go to the nth degree to be able to prove and show that they have. Um, or lent money responsibly I think that's the right way to describe it um, whereas these consumer credit reforms are turning that around a little bit um, to, to have the borrower being somewhat responsible for providing the right information and also being responsible you know, for their own actions if you're, if you're applying for a loan and um you feel that the loan is loan is beyond you, then you know you, you've got to have a bit of awareness and responsibility of it, about that. Um, don't get it over your head. so it's just turning it around a little bit and easing the burden on the lenders um, and relying a little bit more on the responsibility of the borrower um, when they're applying for the loan. So you know the idea there is that it will you know, make make credit easier to obtain and uh, therefore more money will be spent on businesses and and houses and cars and trucks and all those sorts of things. So I think that's um, a good move um, as long as it doesn't go too far in the direction of borrower responsibility and the lender doesn't have any responsibility at all and we don't want that. Okay, so without Luke around... um, this podcast has taken about half the time as it usually does. That sort of makes sense, doesn't it? There are plenty of other announcements uh, that came along with the, the budget um, the other night. Um, I won't go into those. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot there. Billions and billions of dollars have been proposed to, to be spent over the next, you know, period of time, um, and yeah, that's just to get the economy moving again and to, and to make sure we can um, yeah, go forward and, and be strong. I'll attach a link to a budget summary uh, to the show notes so that you can uh, have a look in more detail if you wish to. So thanks again for listening once again. um, I'll talk to you again in a fortnight. Luke will be back. Don't forget www.themoneymen.com.au our Facebook page, The Money Men. Leave a comment, ask a question. Talk to you again in a fortnight.